Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James, and today we will be talking about the 1996 werewolf film Bad Moon. So grab those silver bullets, make sure those guns are loaded. This is episode... Welcome back, everyone. Just James Horror Reviews. I'm your host, Just James. And today, 1996 movie, Bad Moon. I have not heard of this movie before. I've seen tons of werewolf films. We all know the classics, but Bad Moon, I just had breezed past me somehow. After watching it, I believe I've seen scenes of it from who knows when, but I recognize the werewolf style. I guess is the easiest way to put that. But Bad Moon came out in 1996. It was directed by Eric Red. Looking at Eric Red's history, he's more known for his writing than his directing. So not a lot of films to talk about that he's been a part of. He did, however, write the screenplay for The Hitcher. That was a good one. And holy shit, he wrote Near Dark. I didn't know that. So that's cool. And Makes total sense after watching this movie that he had a part in Near Dark. I feel like the main character, the werewolf dude, kind of had the attitude of the Bill Paxton character. You can see a lot of parallels. They even kind of look the same, have that same kind of, you know, doom and gloom, whatever attitude. I don't know. Anyway, he wrote this film. He also had a co-writer, Wayne Smith, who I couldn't find any other history on. But there's your directors and your writers. Our main character in this film is going to be played by Mariel Hemingway. Yes, that Hemingway. She's related to the Ernest Hemingway family. I believe that was like her granddad or something like that. She acted in a movie called Lipstick in the Suicide Club. I've never seen any one of those, but it seems like those are her most popular films uh, looking back on it. She was in an episode of Tales from the Crypt. And when you see her face, it's going to be one of those where you're like, I know her from somewhere. What movies or shows or whatever do I know her from? So she might have been in something else I'm not familiar with, but she is extremely recognizable when you see her face on screen. Mason Gamble was also in this film. He played, he was the kid in Dennis the Menace in 1993, so he is very much a kid in this film as well, and even has the same look, same thing. You'll see him and be like, where the fuck do I know this kid from? You know him from Dennis the Menace, so go ahead and let you know. Mystery solved. The third guy, the guy that's actually going to play our werewolf, is Michael Perry, I guess is going to how you're going to say that name. He's got a little accent on the E in his name, so that's how we're going to say it. But he has been in a ton of... Of films, tons of. I can't even name all of them, but he was uh, Attack on Titan. He was Citizen Prime Ortiz. He played in Bone Tomahawk, which I love that freaking movie. I can't believe there's people that haven't seen it. It's awesome. Please go check out that movie. It's really, really cool. If you like westerns and horror, we don't have enough horror westerns. We need more of those. They're really cool when they're done really well. And you know, it's it's not it's in the desert. You know, we have the hills have eyes and all that kind of stuff. But these things are just really cool. And I wish we had more of them. Anyway, Bone Tomahawk. He was in Coyote Run. That name sounds familiar, but I don't know if I've ever seen it. And he was in Ninja Cheerleaders. But he was also in the Far Cry movie. If you've ever played that game, really cool game. I'm sure the movie was not as cool, but, you know, just because it never really... I don't even think it made it to theaters. But the game was super neat when it came out. You had, like, animal instincts and stuff, which is cool. Because he's playing a werewolf in this film. And then he was in a video game movie where he was essentially had the powers of animals. So yeah, whatever. That's cool. Anyway, that's enough setup. Let's get into it. Now our movie is going to start like any other werewolf film in the 90s should start with a extended sex scene in a tent. Of course, they're in the jungle 
and they're having sex in a tent. Now, look, if, if, if there's anyone that's listening to this that goes hiking, I think maybe the last thing that most people want to do when you're sweaty and mosquitoes are biting all over and you've been out just hot, nasty, stank, sweating all day is have sex in a tent. But, I mean, I guess they just got it like that because that's what they're doing. And then all of a sudden, oh, and while they're doing that, just right outside the tent, there's all these locals just hanging out around a fire. So, you know... A tent is just a thin piece of fabric, and they're in there just going to town <laughs> inside this tent. So it was, it was kind of a weird scene right off the bat. Also, the setup around the scene, like the the staging and all that, the trees and all that kind of stuff, it looks like the set off Survivor. And what I mean by that is it looks, uh, it looks fake. It looks really bad fake. But, you know, it's the 90s, whatever, but it does look like a studio really bad, which I guess is just kind of setting you up for what you're getting into, maybe. So anyway, one of our main characters, Ted, he's in there having sex with his girlfriend and the camp gets ambushed by a werewolf. And that is one thing that was kind of cool in this film is that right off the rip, we're getting to see the werewolf. There's not, you know, an hour and 20 minutes of us just seeing like what he does or just kind of catching some fur, some paws or maybe part of the transformation. We get to see the whole thing right there, very beginning. So I, I kind of did like that. You know, the monster film, a lot of times they don't want to show you, they want to build it up, build it up so that when you do see it, you don't so much pay attention to all the little things that you're like, oh, well, that looks goofy or the monster looks fake or that looks like a, that's a guy in a costume or whatever. But this one just gives it all to you. Does he look like a guy in a costume? Absolutely. The werewolf in this almost looks like a, a bargain bin splinter costume from the old Ninja Turtles movie that someone dug out and decided to kind of rehair and put bigger fangs on and say, okay, this is our werewolf now. However, it is a cool scene. He comes out, he messes up a few people, he scratches through the tent, he grabs Ted's girlfriend while she's on him, you know, and like naked and everything, and just pulls her out of the tent and starts chewing her up and clawing at her and just kind of, you know, really tearing her up. Well, Ted's not having this. So what does Ted do? He gets up and he charges a fucking werewolf. That's pretty badass, especially considering what they were just doing, or maybe that's why he felt he had the machismo to do it, because I'm going to guess he was uh, at a full salute, if you know what I mean. So he's charging this thing, uh, you know, with a boner, <laughs> and he charges this werewolf, and of course the werewolf just swats him away, and he hits the ground. And all the while, he's still holding on to his girlfriend, tearing her up. And he does this crate, like he swats the girlfriend down. And if you have seen any clips of this movie, that's probably one that they marketed a lot. Because it's just kind of, I don't know, it, it looks it looks weird to the eye. So when, when you watch it, you'll know what I mean. But he swats her down. I guess it's just trying to show how powerful this werewolf is. Swats the girl down. And Ted's crawling on his back. He sees a shotgun that just so happens to be chilling. Grabs it. Cocks it. You know, and of course it closes, it does like a cool close up on the gun when he cocks it, and then it shows the werewolf kind of like, uh oh, and then bah, it just blows this thing's head clean off. And it shows it, and it's probably one of the cooler scenes in the movie is when he absolutely decapitates this thing with a shotgun. So from here, we shift to a scene of a kid outside with his dog. This kid, I don't know how old he is in the film, but we'll just say he's maybe 10 or 13 or something like that. And he's got this huge German Shepherd that's with him, and he's outside of his house. Well, as he's outside, this sleazy-looking salesman dude walks up, and he starts talking to him and the dog. And you can tell the dog doesn't like this guy right, you know, right off the rip. The dude's being super sleazeball, talking to the kid, and the kid's mom comes outside. 
This is our Mariel Hemingway character. Her name is Janet, and that's going to be Brett's mom. So she comes out, talks to the sleazeball guy. He's kind of giving her some flack. And super, I don't know if it's weird. It felt weird when it happened, but I guess it makes sense for the movie because they're just trying to portray this guy as a, you know, a con man. He lunges at the dog or he does something to provoke the dog into biting him. Now, this German Shepherd is huge. And this guy's just trying to get the thing to bite him. And eventually it does. And the salesman is just like, you know, you're going to hear from my attorney. I'm going to sue you. We're going to do all this stuff. And you can tell that this is his thing. This is what he does. Not only can you tell as the viewer, but Janet calls him out on it. And this is where you find out that Janet is an attorney. And she basically just, you know, does her uh, just balls on this guy attorney gotcha, style. just lets him know exactly what's up lets him know that he's a con man and pretty much tells him to piss off you don't want any of this so this is cool for setting up that janet is you know one of our main characters but she also a strong female lead which as you know if you've listened to a lot of my shows is always really cool to see and yeah i thought that was cool so janet and brett they go to visit ted because ted calls janet to say hey i'm in town and you find out that he was in Nepal, that's where he was, and he's actually been back for a couple of months. She seems really surprised by this, so they're brother and sister, and you know, she's like, oh man, you didn't call me, what's up with that? They go to visit him, he's living in an airstream in the middle of the fucking woods somewhere, and they go out, and the brother's being a little weird about it, you know, he won't really say why he hasn't contacted her since he's been back, and while they're in there shooting the shit, the dog who... His name is Thor. So I'm just going to call him Thor from now on, but the dog is Thor when I say that. That's what I'm talking about. The German Shepherd's out there sniffing around, and Ted's being really weird about it. Like, he's looking at the dog, like, what's this dog doing? And the dog ends up going into the woods later on, and we see this really cool scene of the dog going to this tree, and all scattered up through the tree is, like, this torn torso, bloody clothes, a backpack, just all this carnage up in a tree, and it's really good makeup you know effects and stuff it's just a good part so before janet leaves she tries to get ted to come with her ted said he doesn't want to he's going to stay there and just try to figure some stuff out and then not even like 10 minutes later ted's calling janet saying hey i think i'm going to take you up on that offer i'm going to come down there and stay with you know you and your son and then it cuts to ted and he's still in that deserted place where he's been living but there's cops fucking everywhere Cops, medical examiners, you know, yellow tape strewn everywhere around his airstream, and he's looking super worried. Now, of course, Janet doesn't see any of this. She just gets the call, and she's just happy that her brother's going to come and stay with her. So Ted takes his airstream, comes to Janet's place. Janet has a spot for him to park his airstream in the back, which is important for the film, that he's staying there and not inside the house. So he stays in the airstream, and when Janet is helping him move in, she finds this really big, long chain set of handcuffs and of course she just makes you know a sex joke about it or whatever and just kind of blows past it but these will be significant later on so here we are the first night of him staying there as soon as it's dark outside we see thor he's going outside to just check the house out and do some stuff and he goes into the woods and he's barking his ass off and the camera just pans over and there's the werewolf just straight up handcuffed around a tree so now we know the handcuffs were for they didn't let it play out for another 45 minutes in the film. It was just like, we got handcuffs. We know as fans of werewolf horror fiction stuff what that's all about, but we actually get to see it. So the werewolf is sitting there handcuffed to this tree, struggling with the cuffs and all that, and Thor is just barking like crazy at him. Well, 
While Thor is barking at him, Janet actually comes outside and starts yelling for him. So you're like, oh shit, Janet's going to... Because he's not that far from the house. You can still see the lights from the windows of the house in the trees of where the werewolf is. But Thor ends up going back inside the house and they don't see him. And of course, Ted comes back the next morning. But before Ted gets back, there's actually a funny scene of Brett and Thor are going up there to Ted's airstream and they're looking for him or whatever, they can't find him. And Thor runs over and just takes a big hot dog piss on the side of his airstream. And the kid's like, hey, don't do that, whatever. But So Ted comes back, he's talking to him or whatever, and then all of a sudden him and Thor, they just start like eyeballing each other, I guess. They kind of give each other that look like, hey, I know. And then before Ted goes in, sniffs the air or something, and he realizes that Thor has peed on his house. And he turns and looks at him like, hey, I know what you did. You know what I'm all about. We're going to have a problem. And then Ted even, he's like talking shit to the dog. So he says something like in due time or something like that, like threatening the dog, you know? So that, that whole back and forth is kind of weird. It makes sense as the movie goes on, but when it first starts up, it's a little funny, you know, that he's talking shit to a dog to me anyway. So shortly after this, there is a cool scene where Ted comes in and Brett is watching. Now, this is the middle of the day, and Brett, the kid, like I said, is maybe 10 or 11, 12, 13. I don't know how old. I don't, it's hard for me to tell how old these kids are, but let's just say he's 11. And he's sitting on the couch while his mom's making breakfast, I think. And he's watching a 1935 werewolf film. Now, I think he's watching Werewolf of London. That's why I say it's a 1935 film. It's black and white. And I Googled a bunch of images trying to figure out which film this was. And I think it is Werewolf of London. Now, I've never seen any of that. And come to think about it, I haven't seen any of the black and white universal monster films. So shame on me. But, you know, I just haven't. Maybe I'll do some for the show. I don't know if they'll be that interesting just because they're so dated. But maybe for nostalgia purposes, we'll do that. Or maybe we'll do a couple at once. Let's, let's do that. That'd probably be a cooler episode. Now, the cool thing about the film that they're watching is... I'm looked it up, just to, just read a little synopsis about it, and not only is it one of the classic Universal monster movies, but also in that story, the werewolf has to kill someone for him to change back into his human form. I don't know if I've heard that part of the lore before, so thought that was pretty interesting for the older movie to have some lore that seems to have not been resurrected in any other films, that they actually have to kill a person to transform back into a human. Anyway, Ted comes, he sits on the couch, and he's talking to Brett about this movie, and again, he just has this weird arrogance, just creepy, I don't know, uncomfortable arrogance where he's talking trash about the movie, like, he says something about why does it have to be a full moon for them to change, What if, why can't it just be any moon, why can't they change with every moon, and he really starts giving away a bunch of secrets about being a werewolf. And, of course, the kid is just like, that's not how it works, everybody knows you gotta have silver bullets and all this other stuff. And Ted's just kind of shutting him down. He's like, well, that's not been my experience. He goes, well, I think you can just blow their head right off. And he's just talking really weird to his nephew, essentially. He's talking to his nephew like this. And the mom is kind of starting to pick up on his weird vibe. You know, he's not really, he's not really had any chills since he's been back. And this is further just kind of setting that tone to where he's being not confrontational with the family, but just not being, you know, a part of the gang either, I guess. So again, night comes, and we cut to Ted leaving the Airstream, and and when he walks out, okay, it's not night yet, but it's, it's coming fast, like the sky is starting to darken, and you see the sun going down, and when he opens the door to come out, 
Thor is sitting there waiting on him outside of his airstream. Now they have this really long scene of where they're just eyeballing each other. And it's almost like in the Westerns when it would do close-ups like on old Clint Eastwood films. They do close-ups on their eyes and like one person squints and the other person squints like a showdown. You know, and I think even Ted goes back inside and then comes, he goes back inside his airstream and then comes back outside maybe more than once. So there's this whole, I guess it's supposed to show like he doesn't know if he wants to challenge the dog or whatever. So I don't know why he'd be scared of the dog if he's a freaking werewolf, you know, but I, I don't know. It is a pretty big German shepherd. I'll say that it's a pretty big dog. But anyway, he ends up, he ends up seeing Janet and he tells Janet to put Thor up. So she ends up doing that and he's able to leave and be gone in time before the sun goes all the way down. So we're like, okay, great. He's not going to kill his family. That's great. He'll have time to go chain himself to a tree and, you know, not be the werewolf killer uncle. However, Brett does what most kids do, ruin everything. I don't mean that. But Brett ends up letting Thor out later because he's scratching the door. He's just going ham once the moon comes up and everything's dark outside. So he sees that, lets him out. And as Thor is running through the woods, he runs past a pair of chains, the handcuffs, and they're laying on the ground. And of course, nobody's in them. So now we know. We got a werewolf on the loose. Now at this point, and I'll say this movie moves pretty fast. Uh, it, there, and there's not a lot to, I mean, it's not some kind of deep film or anything like that. You know, it's a monster flick and I liked it for being a monster flick, but out of nowhere, the sleazer guy from the beginning shows up at Janet's house and he's carrying, for one thing, it looks like he's wearing like the same thing that he was when he was trying to sell books or whatever it was, encyclopedias or something like that in the beginning. But he's got this huge cartoonish meat cleaver in his hand. And in his other hand, he's got the thickest T-bone steak I've ever seen. And he is literally creeping, like high knee stepping towards Thor's giant doghouse with those two things in his hands. And he's saying something like, you know, nobody makes a fool out of me. And he starts walking towards the doghouse. Well, of course, he bends over to look inside the doghouse. No one's there. He hears a growl. And as he lifts up, the camera pans up. And who's behind him? It's a fucking werewolf. Ah. So, of course, the werewolf uh, grab, or, you know, does a cool like werewolf swipe, which cuts the dude open from like belly to face and gives him a good swat, knocks him into the trees. And that's the last we see of Sleezer. So we fade to black and it is the next morning and Janet goes to the door and the sheriff is outside. So there's not really a whole lot to this scene. He's just letting her know that, you know, Sleezer was found murdered outside. He knew that she had a complaint earlier in the week about him coming by and the dog biting her or attacking him. So he's kind of insinuating like, Hey, we think maybe your dog did this, but we also are acknowledging the fact that it looks like some kind of huge wolf did this as well, but pretty much tells her she needs to start looking at getting another dog because Thor is probably going to be found guilty of doing this. But the main takeaway from this scene is going to be this deputy's humongous, gigantic eyebrows. That I mean, I've never eyebrow. seen... And you, okay, look, I got some pretty big eyebrows. And I'm worried about when I get older, I might have them big, bushy bad boys too. But this guy, he could comb them. He could put a bead in it. He could braid it. I mean, these things were humongous. It looked like, it looked like two big mustaches above his eyeballs. i just never seen anything like it. So that's... I, I couldn't not look at those things as I was watching. It was, it was extremely distracting. It's all I could look at. So anyway, oh, and I almost forgot to mention, it's important, but I almost forgot to mention that Janet finds a journal in Ted's 
Airstream trailer. This happened earlier when he was gone doing something else. She was looking for him. She finds a journal where he's writing about having some kind of disease or something like that in his body. He's trying, he's been to all these doctors. No one can figure out what it is. And he's trying to figure, you know, about, he has other entries in there about waking up in the woods and blacking out. He doesn't really know what's going on. But also in that journal, he's got pictures of, I think her name is Marjorie was his girlfriend in the beginning. I'm not 100% sure. But anyway, it's pictures of his dead girlfriend. She's all clawed up and her face is, you know, ripped open. So Janet sees all this. So now she knows at least that the girlfriend is dead. He, she doesn't know anything else because Ted hasn't told her anything. And there's a part in there where Ted says something about, you know, my family, my sister came up here today. And if no medical cure can cure me, maybe the power of a family's love can cure this werewolf disease, which is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Even, you know, even though this movie is kind of, uh, it's not super serious and it's supposed to be an action type movie, you know, something you just have fun to go see at the theater or whatever. But that plot point was dumb so to me i don't know fell flat for me i didn't like it also around this time i i want to say the whole family's up there talking and thor is up there giving ted a hard time again growling and barking at him and all that kind of stuff and ted does what the sleazeball guy did at the beginning why this is a reoccurring theme i have no idea but he gives thor like this weird wink and thor just lunges at him he was like you know thor was just like bitch and fucking just jumps at him and bites him and starts tearing into him and this was after the night of the murder of the original Seas guy. So now she feels like, Janet feels like the dogs attacked two people. I don't know what to do. So the next morning when she gets up, animal control is there and she is surrendering Thor who has been clutched this whole movie to animal control. And of course, Brett's all tore up. He's like screaming, you know, that's his homie. He's like, no, Thor, ah, he's crying and everything. And uh, it's, a, it's a cool scene. It's a cool scene. And Thor's been the only barrier between Werewolf Ted and everything else. So now that he's gone, what's going to happen? Well, hello there, listener. Surprise, surprise. I'm pulling a little sneaky on you. I'm actually doing some editing right now in the middle of this episode. And I forgot to mention one of the better scenes in the whole movie. When Ted gets Thor and has him taken to doggy jail. He comes back and to get back at Thor, pisses on his doghouse. And it's just hilarious because it's a throwback to when Thor peed on his Airstream. So now he's going to go back and he's going to pee on his doghouse. It's just kind of funny. And it's also this weird transition where they're trying to make Ted kind of become more animal than human, so to say, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, had to throw that in there as one of the better scenes. Can't believe I forgot it. Back to the show. Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to have an awkward dinner scene, and they're going to talk about some stuff that doesn't matter. And then Janet is going to ask Ted, if I ask you a question, will you be honest with me, whatever? And she says, where is your girlfriend? And without missing a beat, he just says, Seattle. And she has that look on her face like, now I know that he has something to do with these murders, possibly. Something's wrong with him, and he's lying to me now about everything. And again, I feel like it's a quick way to... I don't know, push the plot forward or whatever, or to, just to kind of push this into the back burner so we can get into a little bit of action. But again, not the best way to handle it, but the movie is what it is. So that night, Ted comes out of his airstream. He's got his little handcuffs and everything. Says he's going for a run or whatever. He pieces out. 
Janet sees him. She's watching from the window and she's got this really big flashlight and decides she's going to follow him into the woods and find out what in the world is going on. Also, while this is happening, unknown to her, Brett is running away. Classic 90s, I'm running away from home style too. He gets like a backpack and his jacket and his goofy little kid hat, jumps out of a window and off the fucking roof of all things and gets on his little bicycle and he takes off. And you don't know where he's going. We just know that now both people are out of the house. We got Werewolf Ted on the loose and we don't know what is going to happen. So this little Dennis the Menace kid, he runs out into traffic on his bicycle, almost gets hit by a car, and we finally figure out where he's going when he shows up at the Animal Control Center. He's there to jailbreak his homeboy. And at this point in the film, nothing's really surprising. The, the wheels have flown off this thing a long time ago, so we're just along for the ride, right? We are barreling down a hill right off the edge of a cliff, and whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So Brett goes to the Animal Control Center, he gets Thor, ends up breaking him out, and while this is going on, it flashes back over to Janet, and she's in the woods, and she finds Ted. So Ted has the handcuffs, and I will say this about Ted's character, dude is ripped. And I don't know if that's just part of his character originally, or if they're trying to say, hey, look, he's like kind of got this werewolf blood in him now, and so it's just making his body super strong or whatever, but dude is stacked. Yoked, as the kids say. So Ted has a short monologue with Janet about how she always has to be right, and he's just saying really weird, just kind of rude stuff to her, and then he starts to change. And if you actually watch this movie, this is going to be the one part where you're like, all right, fuck this movie. But look, it is what it is, okay? It was in the 90s. When, when did I say 96? It was in 96, okay? So technology was what it was. In 96, I'd have to look up the other movies that were out to see what they were doing with the monsters and stuff that they were making because the werewolf doesn't look bad. You, it's a guy in a suit with a big robotic head on top of him and it looks like that. But, you know, in 96, probably scary as shit. However, where they screw the pooch is his transition scene. Now, I will say that, you know, Werewolf of London, everyone always talks about that transition scene. And I'm going to say, just as a horror fan, I don't know what the big deal is. I really don't know what the big deal is in showing these really cool werewolf transition scenes i mean they're cool they're, they have a point and all that but i've never really been hung up on it i'm more about the lore the fights how they're going to kill this thing you know what its powers are what its rules are that kind of stuff the transition part mm, you know not so much worry about it however in this film the transition scene is awful and i mean horrible and it's just because they're trying i guess they're just now starting to use computer graphics and stuff like that in movies so it just looks rough if you remember the computer stuff in lawnmower man is it lawnmower man what is that movie johnny mnemonic no the one where the guy's face is all digitized at the end and it's like a grid pattern it's ghost is in that... the machine you dumb bitch anyway i can't think of the name of the film but it's just really bad computer graphics it looks rough just think of kind of when they started to put that in the Hellraiser films, what that looked like. You know, the one with the dude that's got all the CDs in his head, whichever Hellraiser that was. It's, it it kind of looks like that kind of stuff. But in 96, I bet it was badass. So now we got Werewolf Ted. He's chasing Janet through the woods. We got Thor running back to the house. And they all end up sort of back at the house around the same time. And the fight is on. We also have to remember that at this point, Janet still doesn't know that Brett isn't at home. So she runs all the way to the house. She goes up to Brett's room. He's not there. 
And, of course, Werewolf Ted comes crashing in. She's freaking out. And she's running from him and everything. And, of course, the werewolf's, like, crashing through the house and ripping doors off and doing all this other cool, you know, super strong werewolf stuff. And they get into the bedroom. And he's about to attack her. And here comes Thor, baby, flying through there. Jumps on Werewolf Ted's backs, or back and starts just chewing his ass up. So, to me, this was a really cool fight scene. You got the dog in there who's been playing hero this whole movie. The dog is one of the main characters in this film, and it's done really well for that. I will say, of all the things that are cheesy and sort of lame about this film, the part of the dog's character and what they were able to do with him and the personality they were able to give him and him to really be the hero of the film, uh, it was a cool twist. It's not something I'd seen before that was done with, you know, just an animal actor. So Thor and the werewolf, they're going at it. Thor takes some hits. The werewolf takes some hits. They're scrapping back and forth. Thor finally gets swatted to the ground after getting some good licks in. And the werewolf runs over to Brett, the kid, and picks him up by the throat. And this is a really cool scene here because Janet... I, I didn't say this earlier, but Janet has a fucking hand cannon with her. I mean, it's it's got to be a three fifty seven Magnum. I mean, the whole... The barrel of this thing is just massive. She picks it up and just screams at the top of her lungs. She's like, put my gun down. And it just unloads on this werewolf. And it's just a badass scene to me. It's just one of those scenes where you're like, hell yeah, hell yeah, buddy. So she shoots werewolf Ted. He kind of stumbles around a little bit after getting shot. And you see him stumbling towards this big window. So you already know he's about to go through that window. But who's going to take him, right? Janet's not going to do it. Dennis the Menace isn't going to do it. You know who's going to fucking do it. It's Thor. And Thor hits him. And it's funny because obviously it's a it's a dummy or something, you know, that they use to throw at him. But it really does look like someone just takes a sack of something and just throws it at the guy playing the werewolf. So Thor just slaps him, boom, and drop kicks him through this window and falls, you know, one story up to the ground. And they're both laying there on the ground. You got Thor's laying there. He's all bloodied up and looking cool. The werewolf's down there. You know, he's got his battle wounds and everything. And then after a couple of minutes or whatever, the werewolf gets up and just trots off into the woods. And at this point, you think Thor's had it. Thor's dead. Not today, son. Thor gets up, follows him into the woods, and he finds Ted in his human form hiding behind a tree. Thor walks up on him. Ted's sitting there looking at him, and Ted is jacked up. Makeup effects look really good here, where Ted has all those injuries and wounds and stuff from the from getting shot and the dog chewing him up and all that. And you can tell, like, he's dying. And they have this eyeball, you know, sundown stare off again. And finally, Ted just says, finish it. And Thor just looks at him like, you got it. Goes over there and finishes it. What an ending. How cool is that? The dog is the hero. The dog's the best part of the whole movie, even, you know, for a werewolf movie. It's funny that this German Shepherd is probably the coolest part of the whole film. And if you're a dog lover, you're going to love this film. And uh, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, not a super long episode today. This movie, it, there wasn't a lot to it. Pretty straightforward. I wanted to watch a werewolf film that I hadn't seen before. I've seen all the, the ones that, you know, all the big name ones that everyone knows. And this is one that just kind of flew past me. So I wanted to check it out. And yeah, I wasn't disappointed, you know. Wasn't bad, wasn't great, but at least I didn't have to wait an hour and 30 minutes in a two-hour movie to see what the werewolf looked like. And he wasn't some kind of mystical creature and no one had these weird fake English accents. It was just, at its heart, some guy that was, 
I, I <laughs> some guy that was just uh, having sex in a tent that got scratched up by a werewolf and went home and tried to kill his family. So, you know, yeah, I'm glad Thor was there to not only save the family, but uh, save this film. So that is going to do it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. This is the Just James Horror Review. I'm your host, Just James. If you like what you hear, I'm on all the social medias now. I finally did it. I got Twitter and Facebook, Instagram, all those things now. A Snapchat. I don't even know how to use that, but I have it if you want to send me something. Also, you can email me at justjameshorrorpodcast at gmail.com. If you got a short story that you'd like for me to read or a book you want me to check out or a movie suggestion, send that sucker in. I'm glad we could talk horror this week. Now, our werewolf film is going to start like any good, honest, wholesome werewolf film should start. A sex scene. And not just a little sex scene, like a large, long... Well, that's kind of that's a weird way to put it, but it was uh, an elongated... That's not probably the way to put it either.